is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chris McCarthy. This is South Coast tonight. Marcus is uh, not here tonight. He's on a on a wedding detour, so he uh, he'll be back Monday. We'll be back to normal on Monday. Right now, we're continuing our conversation with Maureen Boyle. She's the author of The Ghost, and I recommend you you pick this book up. There's a lot of summer left. There's a lot of good summer reading. The Ghost. It's a fantastic book. You know we're 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 doing it in broad strokes here tonight. You can't do it justice, really. You have to read the book. You do. I read it. It was a fascinating book. And you, what, what I found interesting above all is that as you're reading the book, you'll come across places and people that you know. You'll come across the names of people you know. If you're in law enforcement, some of the people you may have worked with, um, certainly places that you've visited. Um, if you're if you're um, if you've been around here a while, places that used to be around, right? I mean, there's a there's a lot there's a lot in this book. And it's a hell of a story. We, um, well, the um, the reality of it now is that in the book, where we are in the book is that there's a new FBI agent on it. He comes from the main office, which I think is important. You know, we know about the problems at the Boston FBI office. We know about those problems. And the fact of the matter is that, that at some point, there's Tommy McDonald. Yes. He, he comes from the Bulger Task Force. He um, he was very successful there. He's, he he takes the case on, and he and he digs right in, and he starts a new angle, right? He and he starts to press Mrs. Webb, right? Yes. He goes down. He speaks to the widow in Saxonburg. What becomes of that? Um, you know, he didn't make any promises to her, but right. he uh, at one point uh, he had asked. For some family photos mm-hmm. of um, the uh, of the uh, chief's family, and he was showing. He brought them over to uh, Mrs. Webb to show show her because he thought that perhaps that would soften her up, and you know she would see what was lost yeah. on that day in in nineteen. But it didn't. No, it did not. It did not work. In your book, I find that striking. Yeah, just how much of a defendant. She- how much of a suspect she really is. How well, she acts, right? She's, I, I, she's evading I, surveillance even at this point in the story. Yeah, but, right? you know, I, I would stop short of calling her a suspect. Okay. Um, because she was, her husband was the suspect, not her. Right. Um, well. And, and the. She's suspected she, of some crimes. Yes, but uh, hiding her husband Oh, it's not a crime, is it? No, it's not. That's right. That's right. It was not a crime. Uh, just because she wasn't cooperating uh, does right. not make her a criminal suspect. That's so we've got to make that, that clear. No, I think that's very important, yeah. Maureen. Very important. Um, and she was really... Um, so they had no leverage over her? No. What leverage did they develop? What happened was the when Tommy went back to the Adams family... And there, he was asking for more photos. And the family basically said, you know, fill in the uh, expletive that um, we're going to sue him. Right. 
We're going to sue them. Yep. So they filed a civil suit in Pennsylvania. That's um, the key. That's the leverage, right? Yes. They were going to sue her civilly. So they filed a notice that they were going to be suing her civilly um, in, in the case. Um, and that was the turning point in the case. And um, Mrs. Webb then uh, cooperated with authorities after, of course, authorities in both states agreed not to prosecute her. Right. Her lawyer, Cicilline in Rhode Island, gets a deal yep. for her, right? They dropped the civil suit as well. Yes. Okay. So she dropped the civil suit and she wouldn't be on the, on the criminal side on Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. They, did, they said they wouldn't uh, prosecute her. Um, however, there was nothing they could prosecute her on. Right. Um, but it worked. They dropped the civil suit because really the family, all the family wanted was to have answers and finally put it to bed to, to have an answer what happened. Um, and of course, there was really no justice in the case, but they right. did have some answers. And, and that's when um, Mrs. Webb cooperated with authorities. And he was, there was a little hidden room in the house in Dartmouth, right? Yes. Well, it was, it, imagine a shower stall. Okay. It, you know, people had this vision when they read about the case that it, there was a, a room down there. And it wasn't a room. It was a, like a little cubbyhole. Imagine a, a stand-up shower. Right. It would be something like that uh, in a closet. That, but that, because, because they knew he was wounded, because they knew, they suspected that he suffered damage from the encounter with Chief Adams... They, there's a cane they find, right? Yes. Yeah, that was in there. And, uh, you know, she said she had no idea how it got there. Right. Um, and, but they, they eventually, the state police took that in as evidence. <clears throat> Excuse me. The room was found when the FBI did a search of right. the house. Uh, so they were able to, to take a door and a cane when the state police came in. Uh, and then right after that, they, uh, a, a deal was reached. Where was he? Where was he ultimately found? In her backyard. Buried. In a, buried in her backyard. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I have some questions for you. You're a great writer, and you're, and you're an honest writer. As you point out in the book, and you've pointed out to me off the air, you can only write what you can prove. You'll only write what's in the case. You'll only yes. write the facts, right? Yes. You do not take liberties. You, um, there's things I'd love you to say, but you don't say them because you can't prove them. Okay. And it's not fair. It right. really isn't fair. Right. Um, you know, people can malign individuals, um, but, you know, people, everyone has opinions. Everyone right. has an opinion on things. Uh, but th these are just the facts of, of, of what happened. Um, do, you do you blame a woman for, uh, who was married in the 1950s uh, for sticking by someone uh, that she was married to, um, you know. I I don't really. Yeah, yeah. I, but, but you you have to go back to what was, what was then, right? Um, and what is now? Uh, we're, speaking, we're speaking with Maureen Boyle, the author of The Ghost. You can get it on Amazon.com. So the, um, what do we? I want to put the you know want but he dies. Yeah. He was a decent sized guy. But by that time, he was probably um, not. Okay. Because he had been ill for quite some time. He ends up in a hole. Yes. In a rubber made container 
we've all moved those Rubbermaid containers before. And they, 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 you can fill them up pretty quickly. They get pretty heavy. They, 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 um, her body goes into a Rubbermaid container, the kind you can buy at Walmart. It's put into a hole. And he buried. is. He is. He not, is. Not, not, not the, the container. Okay, it wasn't. The, he's the container. In the hole. Right. Yeah, just him. Just him. Yeah, but you know what? Those containers, when we've all done that, the, not, not, not buried bodies, but, <laughs> so far. but you know, right. those containers, how many of us has, have dragged heavy stuff through that? Right. That? It's, they're great for, for just dragging. Dragging so, things. Um, if you're, she's about how old at this point? That when he dies, in her eighties. In her eighties, yeah. But she's a, a really young. <laughs> she's a, a really in in good shape and very. Uh, and and I won't say spry because she spry, claims because she spry, moved the body alone. Yeah, she claims that she she did it all alone because she doesn't wouldn't trust anyone else. Right. And you know what? If, if someone else was involved with it. People talk. Yes, they do. People talk. So if she had help, someone else would have known something. And, you know, there was people were looking for rewards and things like that. So there was a reward. There was a reward. So that if that if someone had helped her, um, I would there was a good chance someone would have gone for the cash. Right. But she knew better. Yeah. He obviously had coached her on what to do and what not to do. He, yeah. And, and she followed through on his request yeah. even after he died. Yes. Which I think it proves your point, right, about her loyalty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she could also have, have panicked. I mean, you've you got, you got a dead person in your house. What right. are you going to do? Right. Um, and especially if he's wanted by the FBI, it's not like you can call the local undertaker and say, right. hey, you know, my husband died. Can so I have she a dug a hole in the backyard. Yes. How deep? Deep enough so that it's... Uh, <laughs> so it, the cats come, didn't dig him up. Cats, she had a dog, no one... Uh, I was there that day. The police dug a long time. Oh, yes. It was It, it was, was deep. deep. It was very, very deep. And they also had trees. There were tree roots that were going through there. Um, there's arborvitae, arborvitaes that are huge that were uh, there. Um, for, those of you who, for those of you who listen to the Howie Carr Show, um, his executive producer, Taylor Cormier, he was there too. Yes. Taylor's in the book. Yep. Taylor was in there, uh, was out there at, at the scene of the of the of the dig, um, when, when they were exhuming uh, uh, Mr. Webb from the hole. In the and backyard. it was raining. It was you raining. guys were the, out there in the pouring <laughs> rain. That's right. As you put in the book, I brought rain gear to Taylor yes. Cormier. Yeah, I did. And and what's what's interesting when and food? Yeah, during <laughs> always food. Always food. What's what's interesting is that you did station did a really major service to the people of Saxonburg. Um, because you're live streaming what was going on, uh, the law enforcement in Saxonburg, as well as a family of the chief, they were all watching live uh, from amazing, where they were. Right, it's amazing. It was. It's. It's such a fascinating story. Believe me, the go- we haven't done the story. I, I feel like we've done a nice job, but not 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 the thorough job. And I do that on purpose because I want you to buy the book, The Ghost. I really want you to buy the book by Maureen Boyle. Check it out. You're gonna love it. It's one of those books that when you're done reading it, you're gonna want to give it to a friend so you can talk about it. Yeah. Really, you're gonna. I've given the book away. My copy passed it around to to people. Really, it's it's a fascinating read. If you missed any of this interview, it'll all be up available on wbsm.com, wherever you get your podcasts from. Maureen, we um, well, we first got to know you as a Standard Times reporter, but the um, 
the first book we had you in on here at at, uh, at WBSM um, is a story that's yet to be finished, really. Yes. The book's written, but the story's yet to be told completely. It's not, to, it's not over yet. The story is Shallow Graves. It's the story of the New Bedford Highway Killer, which although, I don't know if it's fair to label it the New Bedford Highway Killer, right? I mean, the bodies were never found in New Bedford. No. No, which is quite interesting. Quite that, interesting, right? That... Um, it's believed, it's believed because we don't know exactly what happened to the women. Only the killer knows what happened to them, exactly where they were killed. Right. But it's been speculated that they were killed in New Bedford and their bodies were dumped along the highways, circling the city. Yes. Um, and which I, I found that fascinating. I did too. Um, there's been some speculation. Was it because someone from the city, maybe in law enforcement or who tangentially was in, involved in law enforcement, right. didn't want uh, the bodies to be found in the city, or was it that it was just easier to dump them along the highway? Um, and and that, that that's always fascinated me. But it is such a tight circle around around the city. It really uh, is. Especially when you go around the, um, in, into Freetown. Because right. trust me, over the years, I have driven that route <laughs> constantly, right. trying to f- get my... I, brain into the brain of the killer. I, right. Is this how they went? Um, why did they go this way? Why was one of the bodies found on 88? And, you know, I believe, and I could be completely wrong, sure. but I'm wondering if the killer had planned to um, dump the body of um, Mary Rose Santos on 195, possibly in the Reed Road exit ramp, but for whatever reason, someone was behind him. Right. Uh, maybe a, a state trooper, um, and and the person got spooked. Right. And they kept on going. Yes. Until you got to the Westport 88. Right. Exit. And that makes that, a lot of sense. And then it's like, okay, um, now I'm I'm stuck on Route 88. Right. And right. what do I do? And then. Uh, when the coast is clear. as you say, you got a body in the car. you got right? a body in the car. As we talked about in the last book, there's a body, right? Yeah. What are you going to do with it? We're speaking with Maureen Boyle. She's the author of The Ghost and also Shallow Shallow Graves. the the um, Hunt for the New Bedford Highway Serial Killer. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> and um, and you can order that at Amazon.com. It's also at uh, Barnes & Noble and Dartmouth. Barnes & Noble and Dartmouth. And they're signed. So if you don't want to wait for the book to come, uh, you can get a signed copy at Barnes & Noble. Just go right over and pick it up in the morning. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll take your phone calls at 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. BSN. Chris McCarthy. This is South Coast Tonight. As I said, my friend Marcus is on is on a little bit of a vacation. He's going to a wedding down the Cape, but he'll be back. <clears throat> he'll be back Monday. Um, we're interviewing Maureen Boyle. We're discussing. We discussed her book called The Ghost, which I encourage you to pick up on Amazon.com or Barnes and Nobles here in Dartmouth. If you want to get them tomorrow, you can go there and get it. Her other book is Shallow Graves, which is about the New Bedford Highway serial killer and the hunt for him. Maureen, you are as close to this story really as anybody without being part of it. You wrote the original story. The original yes. story. Tell the, tell the folks at home your role in this from the very beginning. Um, what's interesting is early, early on um, in 1988, I was actually a general assignment reporter. Uh, prior to that, I was a police reporter. And I was a general assignment slash politics, by the way. I right. hated covering politics. Oh. Absolutely hated it. Um, but... Uh, I still had a lot of, uh, I was still doing some police uh, stories, 
but I still had a lot of contacts in New Bedford PD and the state police. And of course I was always filling in for the police reporter. The, someone had told me that there was, um, there was first, there was two bodies that were found. Um, the paper really, I think underplayed the first two stories. Um, the first body was maybe five or six uh, paragraphs. Um, that was 4th of July weekend, and that was the same weekend when there was a terrible tragedy. The boat overturned in New Bedford Harbor, and you know, a woman and her, her child were killed. So that really overshadowed everything, sure. including the law enforcement resources. And then later on that month, the body of uh, Nancy Piva, what turned out to be Nancy Piva, was, uh, was found. And that anniversary is tomorrow, uh, the anniversary really? of when she was discovered. The... One of the the de- detectives in New Bedford PD, John Dextrader, was telling me, you know, there's two bodies found. You know, they're not out of New Bedford. Mm-hmm. I have no jurisdiction over that. We don't, but it sounds kind of weird. Right. He had a cop's instinct, right? Yes, he, he did. Knew he, he knew something was going on. He knew something was wrong. And throughout the summer, uh, uh, first he was in contact with Nancy's sister who worked in city hall and they you know he was really just had a bad feeling about the case um and then he noticed that there was a number of other women who went missing Mm -hmm. uh and by september there was at that point i believe it was eight or six six that were known Mm -hmm. that were reported and uh, he said, you know, got to do something. And, right. you know, right. I had, I had mentioned something to the police reporter that, you know, there's, you know, you know, there's two bodies that were found and they're kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. I don't want to step on your toes. Um, right. And, you know, about a month later, she had done something about the bodies that were found and they weren't identified. Right. And without showing any linkage at that point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Mm, there is something not right here. Right. Um, so, and I but t- when you're t- in the news business, you're always playing catch up. Yes, you, you, you definitely are. Catch up, right? So, I um, I talked some more to John, and I said, no, I'm. I had to do something about linking the bodies with the missing persons right. without saying yes. These are the two bodies that were found were the missing any of the missing uh, women because right. it was just something. I just had this gut feeling mm-hmm. something was not right and right. that they were tied. Right. Uh, because right around that that time and a, about a year or two earlier, there was an escalation of attacks on, on women who were working the streets right. or were uh, were addicted to drugs. Right. Um, and then I, I do want to make emphasize not all of the women who were found dead. I think that's very important. Had a arrest record for prostitution one of the they really, were all addicted to drugs one of the really important contributions that your book makes uh to this story is that you know the the easy way to describe these women is not a, is not the accurate way to do it yeah. so and you you make an effort to point out they're all coming from families they a lot of them have children um they all had lives separate from the fact that they were involved with drugs and, and had yeah. in some cases uh involvement with prostitution um that these are human beings yep. and they were viciously murdered and discarded like garbage on the side of the road by an animal. 
Yes. And we have to figure out who that person was. Well, especially if that person is still walking amongst right. us. And if they are not, if they are dead, well, you know what? We deserve to know who it was. Right, right. You know, we need that. And I don't want, I'm going to use the word closure. Right. Uh, but we'll never have closure because if the person's dead, they're not going to go on trial. And there, there is a chance the individual is dead. But we Certainly. need to know who it was. Right. And to learn how to stop someone like that person from doing it again. And it's I just want to point out again that people's DNA, we've found now that you, you if you have DNA out there, if it could be your uncle, could be a cousin, could be anybody, they can use that DNA to to, to figure out stuff off the DNA that they have. I mean, this was what year when this these murders started taking place? Nineteen eighty eight. So Technology was a lot different. Yes. There were no video cameras. The DNA evidence wasn't really going on. It was, different. It, it was, was different, different, right? Very different. Di- they needed very large amounts. But the district attorney, as you've pointed, is very committed still to this case. Yes. Very much still committed to this case. We're speaking with Maureen Boyle, the author of Shallow Graves. Um, Maureen, the, um, the book goes into a number of the suspects. Do we feel like the suspects... In, you do a very good job in that book of pointing out um, the fact that of how these people may not have been the suspect, right? I mean, some of these people, they look good, but they weren't it. Yeah, well, see, there, there was a, yeah, there, there was a... When I say they look good, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, there, there, was, there, was, there was such a wide, a wide uh, sphere of suspects. Right. Um, and there were suspects that were never publicly identified. Right. There was a number of ones that were not publicly identified. Um, and, and rightly so. Yes. You know, police look at people, and just because they interview someone doesn't mean that they're a killer. Right. That doesn't mean that they're guilty. You know, they have it to... It can ruin your whole day to be yes. identified as a serial killer. Yes. By the police. Right. Yep. So the police did their best to keep the suspect list quiet. Yes. And... and to their credit, yeah, and and they they talk to. You'd be surprised at the number of pe- of people out there that were preying on um, women that were on the street, and and some of them were prominent individuals. Yes. And when I say prying, they were they were paying for their services, right. and the word they were preying on them because these women were there on, only because they were so desperate to get a fix, right. They would not have been there. Right. You know, when people use the term, quote unquote, sex workers, right. um, that in some ways that, that bothers me I, I because it, make, it makes it sound as if this is their job and right. they're clocking right. in right. and they're getting, you know, a paycheck from it. And that that's not not the case. No. Um, and that was not the case then. These were um, any women that were on the street at that time and, you know, Thankfully, so many of them did survive and went on, got clean right. and, you know, went on for to have very productive lives. Um, but they they were not there by choice. Right. It was not a choice. It was heroin, drug it. There, yeah. Yeah, heroin drove them there. We'll speak with Maureen Boyle, the author of Shallow Graves, and we're going to be taking your phone calls at 508-996-0500. I've got a couple of people who've been holding for quite a while. I'm going to try to put them through. Uh, good evening. Thanks for holding. Hey, good evening. Good evening. Um, I got an interesting story for you that involves um, one of the very 
possible suspects of that case. The lawyer guy that they dug his backyard up, he committed suicide. Uh, no, you're, that, that's com- combining two different suspects. Uh, the, the lawyer guy um, died of natural causes. Ken Pond. Yeah. Right. Okay, it was, it was the lawyer guy. Mm-hmm. He, my girlfriend's sister used to be in a bad crowd and was doing some bad things. And I was just talking to my girlfriend about this, as a matter of fact. Actually, my girlfriend's sister was walking home, and he was following her up the street. And he pulled over and asked her, you know, if proposition her or whatever. And her mother happened to look out the window and seen him. And she ran out on the front porch and started cussing him out and saying, I know who you are. You're the... Yeah, the um, what's his name again? Sorry, Ken Pont. Yeah, and you're the you're the guy that's been killing all these women around here. Get the f out of here! I'm calling the cops. All oh, he took right off because he went when he pulled over on the side of the road. He also got out of the car and was talking to him. And but as soon as the mother started going off, he took off quick. So he definitely was up to something. Well, there's no doubt about it. As you're reading Maureen's book, he was up to something. Yes, yes, he was. He was. I mean, there was legitimate reasons why he uh, was under investigation. Yes. Anyone who says that you know he was unfairly targeted, that he was um, that he was not a suspect, that some somehow that uh, Ron Pina had it in for him, right? Um, Th- that's just not the case. There right. was very good reasons why uh, he came uh, under the spot. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they, 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 he, he was when you re- when you read the book, you can see some of the really bizarre things that he did. Um, yes. And I'm, I'm not going to go into it on thank the you. air right, because we can't. <laughs> there, there are, but they're in the book. Yeah, it's you know. There, are, there might be kids listening, and right. so you don't want your kids to be exposed to some yeah, of this. No. There's people out there that have been involved in this that have family members. That sure. Yeah, exactly. But he uh, he was a very... Uh, Strange guy, right? Oh, yeah, that's exactly it. It's uh, putting it mildly. I wouldn't have known if you hadn't wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say something really quick. Sure. This reminds me a lot of the Boston Strangler of the South Coast. And for years, they were trying to say Albert DeSavo, they were having a, a thing with one of the victims, Mary Sullivan, who originally was from the Cape and moved to Boston. And Albert DeSavo, and they claimed DeSavo didn't kill her, DeSavo didn't kill her. The police at that period of time were convinced DeSavo did kill her and maintained that he did it. And eventually the detectives... The current detectives of the Boston Police Department got so sick of it that they ordered um, the bodies to be exhumed, yeah. and they took DNA. Yeah, and, and, and it wound up being it wound up being the Boston Strangler who did yeah, it. Yeah, because the state police camped outside and waited for the Salos nephews that own a business to leave, and they left water bottles there, and they grabbed yeah. them, and they did test yeah. her enough. It was out with the Salos. Hey, th- thanks for the call, caller. Appreciate it. I'm glad your your sister-in-law is uh, is is, is yeah. turned it around, right? Yep. Um, I mean that that's the reality of it is that many of these girls, had they not been murdered, might have turned it around. Yep. Right? And, and I can think of at least 
five of them that that would have turned their lives around. Right. They, right. they really would have. And keep people have to keep in mind back in 1988, uh, the services for female um, addicts was really there was not a lot out there for right. them, right. and the wait times were unbelievable. Right. And you know, addicts need help when they need when they want the help, right? Um, and so they can get right into it and. It, it was very, very difficult. It was a much different time. Yeah, Much different, different time. We're speaking with Maureen Boyle, the author of Shallow Graves. We're going to go back to the phones. Again, if you want to give us a call, you can at 508-996-0500. Thanks for holding. Hi. Hi. I got a friend. I'll never forget this. When that was taking place, I, I really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Mm-hmm. But but I had a friend who, uh, you know, from the city, and he um <clears throat> pretty bright guy. And he just kept researching and studying this case out these cases as they were coming up and he had a theory and he said that he believed without a doubt that the person doing it was a truck driver and it would make perfectly good sense because in, in a lot of these trucks you have you have a bed inside there mm-hmm. the mobile you can take him anywhere and the guy knew the area but he didn't live here necessarily okay and he would come and go to new bedford and um and, and there was more to it than that. I'm just giving you the rough, the rough. But I, yeah. I want to remember that was probably four, close to 30 years ago, over 30 years ago. And, and he, he he listed a bunch of different things that would make it, that would make a lot of sense for it to be a truck driver. And he just was so obsessed with the fact that he truly yeah. believed it was a truck driver that was doing yeah. it the whole time. He, he, what do you think, Maureen? Well, here here's the the downside of that. Okay. There had been, you know, elsewhere in the country, mm-hmm. uh, there have been some uh, murders where they believe that it was uh, tied to truck drivers. Okay. And these are in the major interstates where there are large uh, trucking, you know, areas where truck drivers yeah. might be, mm-hmm. where okay. there would be women who would be working uh, oh, okay, those yeah. uh, those truck stops, right. large truck stops. Yeah, yeah. But here in New Bedford, now remember where the bodies were found okay. mm-hmm. a large truck going down route 88 yep would be noticeable right absolutely um so th- that's why i don't think it was a a, a truck an interstate truck driver okay. i mean it yeah. could be someone who is has a pickup truck mm-hmm. in in that regard but i I, right. I don't think it is what would you know, we would think of as a a truck driver in a in a large truck, okay. um, but, just because also, of the the high the way the highways are, and to uh-huh. get to where it's believed that the women had been um, taken Pickup. from, okay, uh, right. in the city, okay, those mm-hmm. large trucks. They're not allowed there, right? Yeah, no, and right. they wouldn't be able to maneuver the streets right. there. County Street, they, 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 County like Street, and places right. like that. Um, if you're talking about, you know, any of the fish houses, mm-hmm. um, that's that's not where the uh, any of the the women were hanging out down there. Um, if yep. they were, some of the women were last seen leaving bars. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So that would, I I know there are some people who. You know, they they believe that it's a truck driver, right. and and it might be, it might be, um, yeah. but but I just uh, I I don't think it is. Okay, I think it's yeah. it's someone who is very very local, because of the circle of where the bodies are found, um, right. and it's 
there's been some a uh, number of studies on killers and uh, and serial killers mm-hmm. where they have a certain comfort zone. Okay, and where they so I I think it's the bodies are found close to where this person lives and this is their their comfort zone this is their hunting ground and and in new england you know people don't travel that far right you know (laughs) right you know there's some people in new bedford who have never been to fairhaven uh that's true it it, it is true thanks for the call by the way thank you thank you (laughs) thank you for the call um I, i really just i do think that it's it's someone local or who is very very familiar with the area and the fbi profilers they've looked at other cases around the country, right? Yes. Have they found any case it was similar to? There are other cases that are, unfortunately, these types of cases are, can be found anywhere. You know, the, you look at the Green River Killer. Right. Uh, I know that uh, investigators at the time had looked at that. They had looked at a case in, in Rochester, New York. Um, and, you know, the, they're not tied to to New Bedford, so, and, and there's there's some other cases in Connecticut also. So the theory is, <clears throat> if the killer was still alive, and not incarcerated, they would still be killing. Is that an accurate? No, no, no. Okay. There are. I mean, you look at the Green River Killer. Uh, he stopped for a period of time. Uh, people seem to think that serial killers will always keep on killing, that they cannot stop. Okay. There are triggers, uh, things that can trigger them to uh, to kill. Sometimes they just take a break. Um, so, so it's, uh, he he could he could be locked up, or he could be for whatever reason he could have moved out of the area. He could be dead, um, or he could just. Not just stop. He just went dormant. Just went dormant. Just went dormant, but still alive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Kenny Pont was um, a prime suspect early on, because he left the area once news hit about the um, about the killing, the right. disappearances and the killings. Uh, but friends of his said, well, he was planning to move to Florida anyhow. OK. Um, but things got delayed. There's a lot in the book, um, Shallow Graves by Maureen Boyle, about the when, when he moves to Florida and yeah. the police follow him down there. We're speaking with Maureen Boyle. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Download the do- South Coast tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. Uh, Marcus is off tonight. We, um, we have Maureen Boyle, the author of Shallow Graves, about the New Bedford Highway serial killer, and the author of The Ghost, which is about a story of a... Um, a murder of a police chief and how the murderer hit out in New Bedford and Dartmouth for the remainder of his life. They're both fascinating books. You can get them at Barnes & Nobles here in Dartmouth or you can get them online at Amazon.com. Um, Maureen, the um, the girls who were killed, some of their family members are still alive. Yes. The hunt continues for the yes. killer. The um, the police are still active. I mean, obviously it's not as active as it was in the 80s, but there's still open cases and if you have any information, you can still speak to the police, right? Yes, yes. The, uh, the DA's office has a cold case unit. Um, and if you go onto the DA's uh, website, it, the, all the information on how to reach uh, the cold case unit. Uh, Anne-Marie Robertson is the head of the unit. Um, and 
she is absolutely fabulous right a hard worker uh and is determined to uh find the killer you have in the book a lot of the um the police officers who've worked this case um you got to know them pretty well yes talk about the uh the two troopers who were, who were working this case um the uh it was a female trooper and a male trooper, yeah. right? Marianne Dill and right. Josie Gonzalez. Josie Gonzalez. And you have, you have some very interesting tales in the story. Um, you clearly got to know them very well. They, they were right involved in this case, right? Right down to the, to the street level looking, right? Yes. Yeah, they were uh, talking to people. Right. Now, they were the, the prime uh, detectives on it, but right. there were state police detectives. However, everyone in the unit was working on, on the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, in addition, to, you know, to the two of them, there was also teams from Dartmouth, Westport, um, New Bedford was involved, yep. and Freetown. And then later, um, Marion, briefly, when one body was found in Marion. What do you make of the body that was found in Marion? Um, I think... Because I love your theory. I like your theory on the Westport body. Yeah. What's your theory on the Marion body? Oh, do, maybe you don't have one. Uh, you know, it could be also be coming back... Um, Getting getting sort of freaked out, right? Uh, that or they were bringing the uh, uh, that was Sandy Batella was uh, the victim in that case. Uh, perhaps they were bringing her out to some place and killed her, and then it was uh, uh, dumped her on the way back. One of the bodies was found, if I recall correctly, with the clothing they believe was from another one of the victims. Yes, yes. What do you make of that? Um, the two women, that was uh, Nancy Piva's uh, clothing found on Deborah Greenlaw DeMello's body. Uh, Deborah Greenlaw DeMello had walked away from a work site in a state prison in Rhode Island. She had been up for parole. Her parole was denied uh, because... There wasn't any treatment slots available in Massachusetts for her close to her family. Okay. And she got so frustrated, she just walked away. And she wound up on the streets of New Bedford. And the theory is that she was hanging out with um, Nancy Piva. Okay. And may may have been staying there, may have been, you know, the, the women... They would swap out each other's clothing. Okay, so, so, you, so that's not something that, that the killer might have done. They might have done it on their own. Yeah, they may have done it on their own. Okay. Uh, and the killer may have tossed the clothing that was found tossed around there, may have tossed stuff out the window. Okay. Because I always so, found that to be a very yeah, interesting twist was, to the case. Yeah. We but, don't know what DNA evidence they have, do no, we? No. And, you know, I, I've argued with people who say well why don't we know because it's an open case right well, right correct they have to tell us this. no they, no, don't, they don't have to tell us they this don't. and and while the uh investigators are not we'll put it this way they're not saying whether they have dna or not mm -hmm. and i think for a very good reason we don't know what material and what evidence there is and what was not they, they couldn't test back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they can test now. Right. So let's let's leave it at that. 
Yes, we do. We the, the public does not have a need to know. No, the, particularly with, with with the amount of women that were killed, and the fact that that uh, it's solvable. Yeah, it's solvable. Let's not let the, uh, the 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 perfect be the enemy of the good here, right? Yeah. All right, we're going to go back to the phones. I think we have someone holding at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We don't have a lot of time left. We speak with Maureen Boyle, the author of Shallow Graves and The Ghost. I recommend both those books. Believe me, after you read them. You're going to want to give them to a friend. You're going to love the... You, I mean, it's it's difficult material. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to love it, but you're going to be fascinated by it. But it is not gruesome. It's not I mean, gruesome. No, no, no. no. So thank you. Thank you for holding. You're on the line. Hi. Hi. Oh, uh, hi, Chris. Hi. Um, yeah, I appreciate you having your guest on tonight. Because I, I do think it's important for the girls and Absolutely. for the families. Yes. And, and for the public in general, you know, that lived through that time period and... I really, you know, I like that you're keeping it in the forefront and people are still, you know, I think every time somebody new hears it, maybe something would come up, you know, if anybody were to know anything. But I did meet you, Maureen, at the New Bedford Library downtown when you had a book signing and I bought Shallow Graves and and actually I did give it to my sister. I told you. I didn't think it would be something I could read, but like you said, it wasn't gruesome, but I liked your perspective and, you know, um, the fact that you, you know, believed people were taking it seriously and how much work it was involved doing um, an investigation at that time where things were, you know, the databases and the way you described, you know, how much more um, time consuming it was to look over everything and, and yet they did spend that time and try. And then, so um, I didn't know as much about the case of the um, Donald Webb story, but because that ended up being a local connection too, I, and um, I enjoyed reading your first book. I did read that one as well. And that was very interesting too, in the fact that he was just living amongst everyone right. and wasn't discovered for that long. I found that, very hard to believe, um, it, yeah, but it, it was very interesting, and, and I um, I enjoy reading your work. Oh, thank you very much. What was was also interesting with with the web case is how little uh, publicity there was uh, in the local media with right. that at the time. At the time, I was absolutely appalled at that, especially where he had a local connection. Yeah, and and you know it was somebody of prominence and and a big big deal in his state why they wouldn't have flooded the, you know, the local news with that. Yeah. I mean, maybe he wasn't walking the streets, but it, you know, he was hiding in plain sight, basically. Yeah. Bizarre. Especially the, something about the phone. You know, what did he have a phone in his own name or something? I mean, crazy stuff like that, that seems that it would be hard to um, miss. Yeah. But um, I, I was, I'm, you know, it was too bad. It was uh so many years after that, but I'm glad for that family that got solved. And I do believe that the uh, the highway murders could be solved as well. I'm hoping sooner rather than later. And I appreciate the fact that you're keeping it out there for for everyone. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much. Uh, Maureen, isn't that important, right? Yes. This case could be solved. Uh, um and I really believe that someone has the answer. Absolutely. someone. Every time I do this story with you, I think to myself, we might be rattling someone's conscience, yeah. right? That someone... We're rattling it that they might know. They might know something. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll speaking with Maureen Boyle here on South Coast tonight. When you are